And once again, we're back with the Running Wild podcast. I am your host, Tone Malazzo. We are continuing our series with Running Wild Novellas Anthology Volume 2. We are revisiting Part 1 with Ben White, whose story is a Cuban. Hello, Ben. Good morning. Good afternoon. Afternoon. Well, depending on whenever they listen to it, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So what's your history with writing, Ben? Uh, I've always written. Started writing at a very young age in uh, poetry and and stories. But uh, formally, it was... I had the requirements for a degree in philosophy, and I went across the street to get this the uh, double major in psychology and was run out of there when I said Sigmund Freud was an idiot. And uh, <laughs> so I came back over to the humanities and, and found that you could get a degree in creative writing, and that's that's where it started at the University of New Mexico. Oh, really? Okay, so straight out of high school, you go to college, and then you end up with a degree in creative writing. Well, my my undergraduate degree was a little bit more uh, uh, varied. It wasn't a linear process at all. I went to okay. a two-year school, a four-year school, a two-year school, two years in the Army, and then uh, finished up in, uh, at the University of New Mexico. It took eight years to finally get it. I, uh, I'm familiar with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's so unusual. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> trade it either. So then you've got your creative writing degree. What do you do with that? Well, as you might imagine, I had two years in the in the infantry and a degree in philosophy and a degree in creative writing. You might imagine how many jobs were lining up to hire me. <laughs> I actually went back to the Coast Guard for 20 years. Oh, okay. Wow, Coast Guard, what'd you do there? Oh, many things. I went back in, enlisted, and uh, was a seaman on the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Morgenthau, chipping and painting and making sure the, the hull was taken care of. You had a degree, a bachelor's degree. Why didn't you go officer? That was the plan. I went back to the Army and, and asked them if they would send me to OCS, and they said, we sure will. Be glad to have you back. And I said, well, what would my military occupation especially be? And they said, well, you were infantry before. You'll be infantry again. <laughs> so that's when I started talking to the Coast Guard. I can understand that. She said, well, we're so small, you can come in. You know, we'll get you to OCS. It just makes it take some time because we are so small. So it took me three years of enlisted time, but I went through OCS finally in three years. Okay, so you did become an officer eventually. Yes. And then when you retired, what was your grade? I was uh, retired as a lieutenant commander. Oh, nice. Being in San Diego, I've known plenty of people who are Navy and Marine Corps. I've only met one person who's Coast Guard. Wow. (laughs) It's a small service. (laughs) I know we have them out here. I see them on the bay, but... Yes. So were you writing during your time in the Coast Guard? Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, it's, it's been a continual process. I've been retired now for uh, 11 years, by 11 and a half years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a streak going since January 1st, 2011. I've written a poem a day, at least at least one poem a day. Okay. Wow. Okay. So has it always been poetry? Uh, no, there's some stories mixed in. Some, and uh, recently it's been some um, nonfiction, mm-hmm. creative nonfiction. So it's, uh, it, it crosses the genre. What are some of your other published works? I have a an e-novel that was published with a firm in England. It's called The Kill Gene. It, it kind of documents the experience of the Cold War being stationed the, in Germany in the 80s. Then I have some poems written online. It's online journals with some poems, some creative nonfiction with the Keshik books, their online publication. And I'll... The, the Proud to Be series with uh, Southeast Missouri University. I, I've gotten some poems in an anthology there as well. You know, being in the military and a poet, that's very, very uh, old school. 
<laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. kind of reminding me of like Civil War officers and, and their letters back home. Yes. <laughs> and actually, I have a forthcoming uh, essay with um, uh, Black Lawrence Press called Warrior Poets and Subversive Poetry. And it kind of documents the, the, the history of the warrior poet back to starting with uh, Wilfred Owen in World War One in that tradition. The poem then you have in the novella anthology is called The Cuban. Yes. It started off with, with looking at the 11 million people who were killed in the, in the Holocaust. And of, of those 11 million, 6 million were Jewish and well documented. The Cuban is a story about one perspective of those other 5 million and his experience. He starts off as a Russian. He, he's not necessarily a Cuban. He's, he's telling the sto- his life story from Cuba because he, he interacts with Fidel Castro and he, he travels the world and stops in Cuba and rolls cigars in, in Tampa. So it's, it's a person's journey through life around the world because he, he, he joined the Soviet army when he was liberated and then became a merchant seaman and went around the world and ended up in Cuba. Was there a Soviet-Cuba relationship before the Cold War? Not necessarily. It, it, uh, when, when Cuba went communist, that's when it began with, with, with Fidel. And, of course, there's a lot of historical research in, in the progress of writing it, which, which I enjoy doing. What, what are some of the things that you discovered that that? Well, just some of the places of, of that start off with, with the liberation of a camp and then where the, the battles would take place and, and crossing the river and getting into Berlin. Then the, actually I have the, the Masters of Fine Arts in, from the University of Tampa. And so Tampa was, was fresh on my mind as I was writing it. So I, he got to Ivor City there in, in, in Tampa where they were rolling cigars. And that's where he learned Spanish. Hmm. And ultimately it's a, it's a story about identity and language. Because he, he's going to speak Russian and German and English and Spanish. And he learns all those languages and his identity kind of morphs into that each culture. But uh, it, a lot of research on the, the, the Cuban Revolution, the, the grandma came across the, the cutter. Well, it was a yacht called the grandma. And that was what Fidel Castro came back from Mexico in to invade Cuba in a, in a failed attempt. But... He was sailing across and met the met the boat. So it was it was a, just you know a, a fictional account of, of a of a boat meeting another boat hmm. on the on the water. I don't know that much about poetry, honestly. So here's your. I'm hoping you'll educate me. <laughs> some would say, some would say I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that a lot of the epic works, like the Homer epics, are in poem form in the original Greek, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Is, is that some sort of inspiration then for this long-form poetry? Actually, the Cuban was, it wasn't the thesis for the Masters of Fine Arts, but it was a secondary piece that was ready to go if, if the first one wasn't accepted. Hmm. And so I had that discussion with my, with my advisor, and she said, you know, epic poetry comes with such a format and a history that what you're what you're writing here is not an epic poem <laughs> it may be long and it may be a, a journey but it's not an epic poem it was, you know capital e epic so to be an epic poem you're not about word count right <laughs> what does make an epic poem then i, I think just the the form and, and that history of the the greek tradition and it was not a a influence on me at all it was. I was just telling a story, and that's. It came out to 
to be in line form and five stanzas and then the next part. So it was just a matter of telling the story. I've said that I'm a, I'm a very prolific poet because I'm a lazy fiction writer <laughs> and vice versa. Why don't you unpack that? Poetry for me can, can capture a lot of detail in, in a few words. So I, I write poetry instead of that, that fiction because I'm a lazy fiction writer. Oh, I see. Yeah, I would say it's, it's much more challenging, though. I mean, with a few words, you're trying for multiple layers of meaning, as I understand it. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there's nothing in the Cuban that says it's a it's a story about identity and language. But at the at the core of it, it's about identity and language. Now, poetry is kind of a tough racket. Yes. What are your preferred avenues for finding publication? Where do you where do you go? I've got a lot of work published with Tuck Magazine. It's it's more of a political publication that they they've uh, accepted and, and published quite a quite a few poems. I mm-hmm. think the last count was maybe maybe thirty five poems with them. Oh wow! So are you their house poet? <laughs> I'm trying to be. It hasn't been formalized that much, but but uh, they're they're, uh, they're an outlet that I found that seems to appreciate the the work I do. But the political poems are just one aspect of of what I do at the the end of the day, I'm more of a, like I say, a storyteller. So then how did you find the Running Wild Anthology? Through, probably through Submittable, and and I just submitted the Cuban to them. Honestly, I was a little surprised when it got picked up as a novella. Pleasantly surprised. <laughs> Were you submitting it as a poem? No, no, I was submitting it as a story in a, in a, just a different form. Oh, okay. I see it as an easier read. To put it in that form and, and the stanzas and the, and the sections, it may be easier to read than than a full page of of uh, narration. So I've, I've got the the reader in mind when I when I do write as well. To get it down to where it draws them in without having a lot of uh, I think people are not reading as much. So if you make the reading easier and more direct, it may draw them in better. The story is what matters. If it generates some visions and some imagination uh, beyond all the detail that it takes to generate imagination, then that, I've, hit, I've hit my goal. So what's your goal going forward as a, as a career poet? Uh, probably um, limited in scope. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, I write a lot of poetry and, and some of it is for me. Some of it makes sense to other people. I write a, a lot of series poems where it's book length uh, it'll get one subject and it'll be be uh turned into a a book length effort mm-hmm. again not an epic poem but uh sections focusing in different ways on the on the aspects i'm, I'm getting across I've, I've got a manuscript called ghost of a girl where a, a ghost from the middle east visits a soldier who was there and and the conversation they have and it's it's like 64 parts I like those those things that carry the theme throughout a longer piece. Smaller pieces joined together in longer pieces. You you get this added layer of writing that I'm not familiar with where you've got a structure. Right. I know iambic pentameter is a thing. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> and I'm sure there's other forms of, of poems. So is the selecting a form the first stage? No. No. No, I, I am. I select the idea and and build around it. 
that and that's where I differ from other poets. I'm not about form at all. And and uh, I have friends who the iambic pentameter they're they're all about it. And everything has to be in it. As you know, say what you got to say. I wrote a piece. Uh, the title of it is "Put a Little Say Something in the Recipe." <laughs> I'm I'm not a big champion of esoteric poetry. Hmm. You know, I can appreciate it, and I, I think that it's a very creative form. And but it it would slow me down to from getting the the um, ideas on the paper, which which some would argue would be a good thing to slow me down. <laughs> <laughs> what makes your work a poem then? I think it, it's not necessarily form. It's it's just the way it looks on a page. And okay, the I use a lot of internal rhyme. I do use a, a lot of internal rhyme. So it's it's um, the way it sounds comes across poetic. Not necessarily as a, as a form, but in a pattern of speaking. Uh, it's it's the maybe the oral tradition of Kentucky that I come out of, but uh, uh, shifting shifting ideas on a on a internal rhyme is is uh, is a technique I use often. Okay. Now, do you also do performance as a poet? I do not. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten some some. Uh, some nice comments after a reading and, and, uh, but as far as showing up for, you know, open mic night, I, I, I do not. Yeah, why not? Well, one, I have so many poems that I have to read it. I don't like to memorize one and they like <laughs> you to memorize it when you get up there. But, um, it's, it's just a matter of, of time and logistics and, and, uh, opening myself up, I think. So what you got coming up next? Some forthcoming stuff. Uh, actually, out in, in San Diego, there's uh, "So Say We All." Uh-huh. They're they're uh, publishing a a uh, military minded or military focused anthology, and I've got about five poems in there. It's from a longer series called "Recordings for Later Listening," and uh, just vignettes of of uh, people I met across and their stories in, in from the military that, that I met. And so it's the recordings from later listening. It was stolen from Leroy Quintana. He's got a book called Interrogations. He was a Vietnam poet. It, it struck me his interrogations were just short poems about people in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to use interrogations. He, he already had it. So I went with recordings for later listening. I'm a veteran, too. I was in the Marine Corps. And you definitely meet some characters. Yes. <laughs> when, when you're listening, you were in a lot longer than I was, so you got a much larger catalog of uh, personalities to pull from. What are some of the highlights from this collection? When I went in in the 80s, the senior NCO cadre were Vietnam veterans, and they stayed in the organization when staying in the organization was not what everybody did. <laughs> yeah. So in Germany with Vietnam veterans, you heard their stories and you heard their, you saw their perspectives. It was a generational clash, which I don't think is so unusual in the military. I'm not so sure they were ready to turn their army over to us. <laughs> <laughs> Taking that and, and that army experience with those Vietnam veterans and, and then going to the Coast Guard for 20 years, it was a foundation for a military career. And if anybody told me I was going to have a military career in high school, I, I would have laughed at them. There's no way. <laughs> but here I am. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you are on Facebook. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Once again, your name is Ben White. Your story is the Cuban. You are in part two of the anthology, volume two. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. It's enjoyable.